Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. We are now going to hear our scripture reading this morning from the book of Ezekiel from Brianna. Everyone, um, this is a reading from the prophet Ezekiel. I will take you from the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and I will bring you to your own fertile land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be cleansed of all your pollution. I will cleanse you of all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stony heart from your body and replace it with a living one. And I will give you my spirit so that you may walk according to my regulations and carefully observe. Ancestors, you will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it grow abundantly so that you won't endure famine. I will make abundant the orchard's fruit and the field's produce so that you will never again endure the shame of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and no good deeds and you will feel disgust for yourselves. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Park Ave family. May the words of my mouth coming from my heart and the meditations of all of our hearts in this space online in the future, if we see this, be found pleasing in God's sight our God and creator embodied in the black Messiah, Jesus. Amen. Speak to us, 
of pain unknown, multiplied over centuries of dreams deferred and pain deferred, ignored, denied, unheard, a pain that bubbles up from the depth of the ocean, from the deepest well of the heart, from the embodied places thought calloused in years of hurt and hatred hurled, not calloused, but strengthened, still delicate to the touch, grief from the heart, erupting like lava, flowing in words of fire, in fire this time, the fire next time, the blaze speaks words of fire, the language of the unheard, unheard in St. Louis, Minneapolis, in Louisville, in Atlanta, unheard in Los Angeles and DC, and these cities only represent a few, riot and rage tear down to build up, connecting and shaping this world anew. Like flames that jump and connect, despite a system designed to genocide and dehumanize, still you rise and rise, alive with every beat of the heart, the voice of the unheard that never died. No, you survived and you thrived and you thrive. We are fighting for our lives and our hearts still beating. We all must be in the fight, following black leadership and not retreating. But gaslight burns bright, showing into this night, producing false warmth and bystanders, fossilized hearts made of stone, singed by hundreds of years of weaponized fire. Cauterized is the pump that centers the white body. Hearts of stone fail to beat and skip at violence and pain yet unknown. Burning crosses, pitchforks, and torches raised by lynch mobs, light emitting from fire and from phones with white women's tears. False emotionalism, the already faint heartbeat fails to throb. Attempted murder, false accusations, and threatening police calls. Hearts of stone lay open, heavy in burning chests and cheeks. Standing by while fires burn, moralizing with empire's lens, prioritizing according to capitalism's corruption. No, we're not sorry for this nightly interruption. Racialized trauma hardens white hearts, and stone hearts hurt when they beat. Asleep to the value of human life in denial of who we are. So we look but don't see and find ways to retreat. With every divine life lost, we lose a part of you and me. We are lost without George, without Tony, without Brianna, without Ahmad, without David, without a Tatiana, without Sharonda and Daniel and Susan and Bernicia and Sandra and Freddie and Khalif and Philando and Laquan and Terrace and Terrence and Alton and Michael and Oscar and Kevin and Trayvon and Tamir and Emmett. The list goes on. There's so many names so long. How long? Oh, how long? The world should cry out as part of our whole has been torn asunder. The veil, the temple curtain was torn in grief and pain. Yet so many of my community of white others continue to rest under words of fire speak out and speak loud from new language we journey and sojourn from head to heart 
practicing speech, tongues, and stones of hearts relearning to beat, not a language universal, but specific and distinct, unique like all God's beloved creation, the new heart beating and drumming for justice past and present. Humanity comes alive with the sanctified vocation. Take care that the body does not reject this new matrix. Take care that the body accepts this new covenant arrived to us in the ontological black Jesus. But empire married orthodoxy and the message and the spirit le left us. Take care of this new organ. It's precious and malleable. The new heart demands witness and protection from violence condoned at the hands of a stone heart of the state. A new beat that beats true will never be infallible, but the drum beat and heartbeats can be course corrected in time to march and to follow to the rhythm of true hope, to the rhythm of real solidarity, to the rhythm of rich love, of self-love, of black love, to the ancestors redeemed, to the new heartbeats that beat and walk to a beat, to the drum of black women, a love-filled heart never colonized, to the magic of a girl and the joy of a black boy, beats and rhythms and dreams of ancestors realized, in beats, in hearts transformed and reborn. Transformation. Maybe that's what we've arrived here this morning seeking. We need space to be heard and to be seen. We need a respite from the pace of the outside world. We are tired. We need healing. We need a place to start. And I still believe church can be a place to start healing. And theology can be a tool to begin knitting ourselves back together. We could make meaning together and come from our different spaces here at Pentecost, where we seek to see, feel, taste, experience again the Spirit of God descending upon us. It's significant that we're witnessing nightly fires, the fire, the new language, or perhaps the oldest language, that of the unheard that erupts into riot. We've heard this quote from Dr. King over and over again, and I'm not saying violence is the answer, but violence and riot, it's an indicator of how much we need spaces to heal. We need to create together healing. We are suffering from racialized trauma. Anti-blackness is a result of thousands of years of racialized trauma. Our sermon series right now is called New Language, New Heart, New Normal. Pastor Henra and I preached together last week the Pentecost message, and we called it Words of Fire. With our collective voice, we attempted to reach toward what could be the new language, an allusion to the Pentecost moment of speaking and understanding new languages, new tongues, in light of our apocalyptic time, our paradigm-shifting political tinderbox times. This is an atmosphere of unveiling. The reality of the system designed to subjugate black, indigenous, and people of color is unveiling. The impact on BIPOC communities is disproportionate. Not only have these minoritized populations undergone immeasurable historical trauma, with each new unveiling, another lateral trauma hits our communities, our friends, our people. 
This trauma is inflicted. Indigenous folks sit with the trauma of already having been through a pandemic, widespread, meant to kill with an illness. So when the Navajo Nation reaches out to the U.S. government for help and receives instead body bags, this is a trauma magnified. More compound trauma is experienced by black folks who might have to witness violence against people of color, but then also endure the white gaze, the response to trauma, the trauma of witnessing, and then over and over again, violence. This is overwhelming. When queer and trans, black and brown siblings witness anger and rage directed at Ayana Dior, and then have to reflect that through the memory of Stonewall. This is June, y'all. And the experiences of Sylvia Rivera and Stormé de Larvery. The trauma is compounded. All of this happening in June. With Juneteenth, the history of when many, many months later, slaves were finally freed, enslaved peoples became free. This month of pride. And we're just a week away from the fourth anniversary of the massacre at Pulse. We are amid an unveiling. Things are compounding right now. We are connecting and experiencing interconnected, overlapping trauma together. An unveiling, a continuing revealing of the American capitalist system that has always been tainted. Tainted from conception, from the seed, from colonialism and the doctrine of discovery at the founding, from slavery at the root, tainted by racism, anti-black oppression, unequal access, dehumanization, innumerable atrocities, and debts unpaid. Apocalypse has often been thought of as the end times, but rather another way to interpret it is as an unveiling. I use this language of veil and unveiling intentionally, borrowing the term and concept from one of the earliest and most influential African-American intellectuals in our history, a sociologist, a philosopher, a poet, a novelist, and I would say a genius, W.E.B. Du Bois, coined the term and the concept of the veil to illustrate the difference in perception of the world from the perspective of black people versus the white viewpoint. Du Bois defines in his seminal work, The Souls of Black Folk, the double consciousness that exists in the black experience, to be black and to be American. This book points to the two-ness that is characteristic of being black. A person must always be aware of how the world is seeing them, not just their perspective in the world, but how the world is witnessing them and perceiving them. The privilege of white bodies is that we don't have to constantly be vigilant and aware of how we are being seen because our lives are not at stake. The wrong move couldn't get me killed. Black bodies have had to hone this perception. So the unveiling and the new looking and seeing the veil has been obvious to many for so long. The seeking Seeking the spirit at Pentecost is not the same for everyone. It shouldn't be the same, just as the unveiling is not the same. Some of us today might have arrived needing to be challenged, needing to be challenged by the new heart message, to massage our stone hearts into beating again, to find out why it hurts when it beats. Some of us have arrived here today and need to heal our broken hearts compound fractures, intersectional trauma, 
Some of us might need to hear about different ways that our hearts can be cleansed. Others need to hear hearts, need to have their hearts of stone just transplanted, calloused over. Let's start anew. This is really appropriate that we be reading the book of Ezekiel. Thank you, Lindsay, for your beautiful children's moment. Historians agree that Ezekiel was preaching during the time of exile. Ezekiel was a priest in the temple and was moved out of the promised land to Babylon in what turned out to be the first wave of exiles. So this message of God comes in a time of despair and acute pain, loss. People felt lost. The earliest to be forced out to leave were actually the upper class. Clergy was in that class. Temple priests were in that class. So this situation is one where a person who had importance and status in an old system received a message from God only after being in exile. Ezekiel receives this message not during the time when he was a dedicated servant in the temple, but instead after the exile. He was brought low. The system that held him up failed. And so his own privilege is gone. And then God sends a message coming from the book of Ezekiel right now. And maybe because I've been reading it so much, but I just see the echo of his prophetic sign acts. This is what prophets do to get your attention, right? Some prophets wear around a yoke. A human being wears a yoke of an oxen. Um, but these prophetic sign acts remind me today of what I'm seeing in protests around the country. Protests. Maybe if we saw this as prophetic sign acts, we might look at it differently. We might take a second look and say, what am I supposed to be receiving from this message? We have gone to a couple of protests and knelt in this terrible reenactment of a murder. Knelt on the ground for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. This length of time is long. To kneel that long, it hurts. It's physically uncomfortable embodying this murder is so distressing. I'd rather just think about it. I'd rather read the coroner's report. I'd rather watch the news. I'd rather have the next right meme to post. But no, embodying it is what happens, right? Because the posture of a killer is also the posture of a protest during the national anthem. The posture of a killer is also the posture of submitting to God in prayer. The sign acts are so deep, y'all. This is some of the work that's happening in protests around the country. We are physically acting this out. Ezekiel, as one of his prophetic sign acts, reenacted the horrors of exile. This was, I'm sure, uncomfortable and messy. He builds out of mud and reenacts this movement of people. I bet it was ugly to watch and uncomfortable. But Ezekiel knew and understood that the embodiment of this type of remembering was so important. We need to pay attention to this book and to the message. And I'll talk about chapter 19, and then we'll get into the relief that is this covenant, right? And when it comes, in, but in chapter 19, Ezekiel gives what is called the lament over Israel's lost sons, lost princes, <laughs> which was really written to the mothers and parents of those who have lost the younger generation. This is so timely, y'all. Let's hear it. Ezekiel 19, 1-7, What a lioness among lionesses was your mother, 
She bedded down among the strong lions and reared her cubs. She singled out one of her cubs and he became a strong young lion. He learned to tear fle flesh and devour humans. When the nations heard about him, they caught him in their trap and carried him with hooks to the land of Egypt. When she realized that she waited in vain, her hope faded. So she took another one of her cups and set him up as a strong young lion. He went on the prowl with other lions and became strong. He learned to tear flesh and devour humans. He ravaged their widows and laid waste to their cities. When the earth and everything in it became horrified by the sound of his raging. This narrative rings so true. We hear from a system that carries anti-blackness and genocide in its heart. When the nations heard about the young, strong lion, they caught him in their trap. The trap, the trap of poverty, the trap of a food desert, the trap of capitalism, the trap of mass incarceration, or the trap, just the actual trap, the neighborhood. The neighborhood that has one way in and one way out, where infrastructure is stripped and businesses don't thrive, and pain goes hidden and unheard. Somehow the lion gets out of this trap or the next lion comes, learns to tear fresh and devour humans to get by. How to code switch, how to adapt, how to de live in a, human, in a system that dehumanizes. The lion learns how to play the game, but the rage take, takes over and cities are laid waste and the earth then becomes horrified at the sound of its raging. This prophet is telling the story of now, y'all. Now, we can't make this up. I think the old folks said it's in the book. It's in the book. Grief and racialized trauma have always been the lens for hearing this new covenant from Ezekiel. So I hope we come to this text when I read it again, we hear the, the relief and the hope in this text, right? The historical times of grieving are a mirror for life today. This is the place for healing, potential cleansing that I believe is, is within us. Ezekiel points us to, right? And through the sign acts, like we see in the protesters, we can get there. Here again, Ezekiel 36, 25. I will sprinkle water on you and you will be cleansed of all your pollution. I will cleanse you of all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your stony heart from your body and replace it with a living one. That I might pray, <laughs> wow. I prayed this text, cleanse my heart, maybe a thousand times in early recovery. Clean my heart, clean my heart of addiction, clean my heart of the ways that I think about myself that is so negative. My prayer for today is, God, clean my heart of thinking that I have to get this message perfect. Clean my heart, God. You might be praying this morning, God, clean my heart of hatred. God, clean my heart and my mind, which is reeling. My grief is so heavy on my heart, God, clean my heart. Uh, or you might be playing, praying, God, cleanse my heart of my privilege that has made my heart harden. The idea of cleansing in this time came full circle for me. In researching and thinking about this sermon, I saw and learned about what is called the ghost heart. The heart, which is essentially a washed heart, and, or what they call a decellularized heart that is a keeps its framework keeps the matrix of life that forms the heart but as no cells are in it right so it's rendered completely white 
and I would have only learned about this, y'all who know me would have only learned about this, where art meets science at this intersection. So there's this artist, Dario Robletto, who's working with a scientist, Dr. Doris Taylor, who's a regenerative expert. So this heart, this cleaned heart, is a universal donor almost, right? We can put this heart into a new body and have a, a new heart. I'm going to show right now a piece of Robletto's work. And this, what he did with, the, with his um, art is that he made images of the pulse waves. And these are pulse waves, some of the earliest ever recorded pulse waves when people were having specific emotions. This is, they thought at the time that this would become a universal language, a literal language of the heart. So Robletto casts these pulse waves, pulse waves into bronze. And in this, he honors the, the early scientists who made this discovery, right? And who inadvertently, they didn't know at the time, but they were recording the first sounds in visual, in visual um, language. They thought that this was going to become uh, like books that we could read. They put it into books. And so he's recasting these and revisiting these. And he's also pointing toward a very specific time in history, a time when we moved as a culture from being heart-centered, biologically, scientists focus on the heart as the center of all functioning of the body to the head, to the head. So we were craniocentric, now we're a craniocentric culture, right? We, we live in our heads, we're, we're disembodied. And maybe this shift is why we're so exhausted right now, why we think we can think our way out of it. We think that we can be just woke enough that somehow we won't have to experience the emotion. We're so cognitive and our minds are overwhelmed. At least my mind is overwhelmed. There's so much information circling. What do you think about this? How should I respond to that? People are mobilizing. What about the work of educating ourselves? And there's so much to do, right? We're reeling and I don't think I'm alone in this, right? We're exhausted by trying to process all of this in this craniocentric way. So, Today, I hope with some images like Dario's image that we can move into sitting, sitting a little, looking, deep looking, and maybe listening, and some poignant art, art that is used to memorialize, but maybe in this work that we can move from our heads to being present in our bodies. Thank you, Daniel, for leading us in that centering down moment. That's so important. That is the work, the work to really inhabit our bodies. I think that's what Ezekiel is inviting us to in this invitation to receive a new heart, a new covenant, right? And perhaps with sitting with the ephemeral art that memorializes the, the work of uh, and those who have died, right? I think we can feel a rejuvenation. I think we can begin to feel a new heart. So I introduced the work of this super famous, well-known artist, Colombian artist named Doris Salcedo. She came to mind immediately because of her work that, that memorializes the Desparacitos. And Desparacitos are those who have been murdered by regimes of Central and South American countries and people that are fighting for freedom, right? So she frames the work 
and and this is a beautiful way of looking at it and, I, and we'll come back to this at the end but she says that when the spectator of her art gives the work a moment of silent contemplation in that moment a connection happens as if the victims destroyed lives cut short at the time of the murder could in some way continue within the spectator's own experience. So look at these, this work with that in mind, the work that we can still do to create a bridge, a bridge between the living and the dead, to sit with ourselves, to do the work within, but also to create a connection through time and space. This is the power of art, right? This is the hope. This is the, how we realize our mutual destiny. My destiny is in you seeing me right? Your destiny is in me seeing you. I'm going to share again a piece. It's hard to share and preach. This piece is called Quebrantos. Quebrantos is, it means shattered. This is a massive installation that happened in Colombia last year. These are the names of 462 people that have been lost in the struggle for freedom since a peace treaty was signed. This is in Plaza de Bolivar in Bogota, Colombia. And just to give you some, well, so this was also a participatory piece, right? Um, Salcedo has people, thousands of volunteers help to make these pieces. They are made of shattered glass. So the glass, the installation is made by all of these volunteers and leaders and they're encouraged to jump and break the glass, right? That's such a metaphor. The fragility of life, they jump on it, they stand on it. They might not have kneeled on it, but it broke, right? And life can't be restored, but it makes these words and names visible for them to be broken, right? And amid these conditions right now. I just think that's so powerful. This is the last image I'll show of this piece. But the Plaza de Boulevard is so huge, y'all. Look at this. How many people, how many people have been lost in this struggle? Let's take a minute and just think about it. This was last year in Colombia. These names, these are all people. We can connect with them. We can feel that feeling that comes up in this moment. I'm going to move us to the next piece because that happened last year. And the year before that, we did an installation similar in nature in that we remembered together the victims of the Pulse Massacre. In this collaborative sculpture, we memorialize those 14 victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting, right? And this creative pool of ideas is, is spirit, y'all, the Pulse nightclub, the nightclub named for the heartbeat, named for the first sounds recorded, a sanctuary for so many, right? This crime wielded against queer communities of color was targeted at a sanctuary. And so together, two years ago, we memorialized these folks. We wove fabric together to make a 100-foot sculpture. And I want to say, y'all, this is Pride Month. 
And this is not how I pictured the summer of 2020, but it's so meaningful. The first pride was a riot. So there's this poetic justice in this time right now. The creative pool of ideas spirit, the fire, she is here. And at Park Ave, we've always linked the black movement for liberation and the queer liberation movement, right? And this is our struggle together. We get to embody that with, as your co-pastors. I get to struggle for the freedom of my black and brown siblings. And I get to see that happen in the amazing example of Pastor Henra, right? And we don't forget that Pride Month is also the month of Juneteenth, of a liberation too late. Too late did this liberation happen, and what does it mean now? But what we know is that we have a mutual destiny. We need a heart cleansing right now. The trauma and terror of today is too much for us to overcome alone. We need each other. So how do we do that with distance needed as well, right? We need to study and recognize our own trauma. I want to say that I've spoken a lot about Resma Menachem, but he has some courses right now for somatic healing of racialized trauma online that are free. Five sessions. So check it out. We can put, um, I'll put the link in the chat at the end right now. And so what we're going to do next week, Henra and I are going to create another installation. We're going to use a similar format. I cut thousand yard fabric, so we're not going to change the colors, but we know that this is, a, this is a struggle together, that this struggle for liberation, I am only free when you are free. I am only free when my black brothers and sisters are free and siblings, right? So what I hope is that this installation will be a time and space to keep distance, but create a memorial a spot where we can go. Sites of memory are important. And like Dora Salcedo said, connecting the potential and connecting with those who have been lost is healing and it's bridging time and space. So I think this, this installation can be so many things, right? This installation can be a site of memory. Black Feminist Futures is calling for memorials to black womanhood. I think this can be that. I think this can be a memorial to our community members who have been lost in COVID. I think it can be a prayer wall. It can be so many things. So we're going to mark out space. We're going to create this space together. And we just want you to know that Sunday isn't the only time for centering down right? Sunday isn't the only time that we can go within and seek and ask for that renewed cleansing. If you want things to look at that are pretty <laughs> or that are hard, come to me. If you want to sit and be with someone who's in the struggle with you, come to Pastor Henra. We are open, we are here, and we are available to you all as well as the deacons. I see many of the deacons on the call right now. Deacon Lindsay, Deacon Daniel, Deacon Nikki, Deacon, um, Deacon June, Deacon Chenault. Um, we are here. We are here and, and we need to do this together. So I'll show one last piece of art um, and then I'll move us toward a time of embodied practice of communion taking. This last piece for me, was a healing practice. I've shared it with a couple of you. The healing practice of looking deeply and sketching. I know some of us are challenging ourselves to sketch more. 
taking the time to sketch the faces of George Floyd, Tony McDade, and Breonna Taylor. To look deeply is a way to connect, is a way to say, you are not going to be forgotten. You are not left behind. The struggle is here with you. So as we move toward our moment of embodied practice where we take communion together, I would invite you to get what you, what you have in your house. Get your crackers, get your bagel, your donut, and bring it, bring it to where you are. And I will invite us into a time of communion. Can I get my communion helper, Luis? Will you come help me? <laughs> I'm calling. I'm calling for help. So I'll begin the introduction. We are all invited to the table. I know. Let me scoot you down. Here, hold this. We're going to do communion together. How'd you make it that hot? Okay. Hey. Okay, here's my communion helper. So, will you hold the bread? All are invited to this table, Park Avenue. You are invited. In the struggle against oppression, Jesus is the face of love to us, our black Savior, showing up and showing us the way toward abundant life. Hold the bread up so people can see it. In word and deed, Jesus announced the reign of love, the reign of justice, the new reign of peace. And at his last meal, he shared with his friends and chosen family the bread. So he took the bread, show us the bread, and he broke it. You want to try to tear it in half? Oh, this is a good sourdough that mommy made. You go. Now hold it up. Hold it up. He broke the bread. He said, Share this bread among you. This is my body, which will be broken for justice. Do this in memory. Do this and remember me. Okay, let's set this down. Okay, now we have the juice. And then he took the cup. Whoa. He took the cup. The cup up. He took the cup when the supper was over and he gave thanks. He said, Share this wine or juice among you. This is my blood that will be shed for liberation. Do this and remember me. Yeah. Let me do a little prayer. Hold it up. God of love, spirit of compassion, bless us this wine and bread in our struggle together for black lives, right? May this meal be food and drink sustenance on our journey, making us whole or at least starting us toward the road of healing, God. We make these sign acts, these sanctified bread and wine offerings to heal, to begin healing. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we experience your presence again, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta across the street from Grant Park at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively.